on maynard.com.au. AU! Ladies and gentlemen, I've got someone on the line here, someone very important. Let me just say, George Arab is a man who can do many things. He can drive German cars. He can drive Japanese-produced cars. He can not drive trucks with a very high ceiling through low windows, but that's nothing. Don't worry about that. He is a man of our time. He can use Imperial. He can use Metric. He can do a podcast about how to paint your lounge room. He can do a podcast about how to change your car battery. He can do anything. In fact, he will be doing anything for you right now. Please take my unfinished life and make it complete, George Arab. There, there's no way I could possibly live up to that kind of an intro. My goodness. Come on, man. Every time I've spoken to you, it's been world-class award-winning stuff. Ah, uh, well, you're very kind. And it's very early for me, and it's very late for you. And this time, I've got the trombone. There you go, a bit of B-flat action. <sighs> the, what else does one need? What else does one need apart from an international trombone playing at 8 in the morning? Oh, even better. <laughs> That's my Southside Johnny and the Dukes memorial harmonica they gave me. Mm. You can do imperial and metric, but please explain to people who might not know who you are. Explain who I am? On, t- on top of what you just did? Oh, my gosh. You know... Because <laughs> I missed so much. <laughs> I have a silly little podcast that I've been doing since uh, 1937. I've come to be very comfortable with my role as the brain sorbet of the science communication community. I kind of provide a little bit of a comic relief here and there in between the people that actually know what they're talking about. I usually just sort of slip in, ask a good pointed question, and then make some kind of reference to buttocks or something. And then we go back to the real subject. That's my role, and I'm completely happy with that. What I love is that you can do something. If for some reason it doesn't quite work, you can sing a song and everything is forgiven. (laughs) That's true, yeah. (laughs) Because you can do the song so well. I mind you, I have not seen any time where something you've done hasn't worked and you've had to do that. But it's like having two strings to your bow. It's like a sceptical person came out and made a very important sceptical fact and it wasn't all that interesting. Everyone would go, oh yeah, that's nice. But then if they did that and sang a song like you do, that just knocks it out of the park. It takes it to a different level. Like some desiccated tractor we all run out of gas This life can't last everything alive will die someday I was at QED two years ago, and I gave a talk, and it completely bombed. It com- it totally flopped. I-, I had this idea to do kind of a high-concept, purposely boring talk that I thought would be funny. It was the first talk of the conference. I didn't realize I was going to be the first speaker. I thought I'd be somewhere towards the end. I literally opened up the whole thing, and it just tanked. It just was awful. Do you think you overthought it? Do you think that's what you did? Maybe. If I had known I would be the very first speaker for the conference, I think I would have reformulated my approach. It just tanked. But that evening, I performed my Broad Street score, which is a string quartet version of a song collection of mine. Barney's in the vent! It was so great. I was fortunate that I could feel like the trip was worth it, that I hadn't just splattered the event with my 40 minutes of non-comedy with an hour of music, and that rescued it. So yes, I do have the backup of the performance to save sometimes the trudge that might come out of my mouth otherwise. (laughs) I remember when I was at TAM, I think it was TAM Las Vegas, I was just wandering past a hallway, and there you were Mm -hmm. giving a small concert to about 30 or 40 people just jammed in. And I said, oh, what's that? Oh, oh, that's just George. He's playing Dark Side of the Moon on the piano. All that you touch, all that you see, all that you taste, 
makes you feel. Of course he is, and he's probably having a couple of dogs come on and he'll be juggling on a unicycle with them later. It's all fun. During my entire knowledge of you, George, in the entire time I've heard or known of you, I've only heard of you being rude to one person only once, and they deserved it. And you mentioned it on your podcast, and that's how I know about it. Because <laughs> there was a guy, it might have been at the QED bar, one of these people that you sometimes get at conventions, they just like to pick holes or they like to play little mind games with you. And this person was supposedly dressed as James Bond. And you had been very polite and this person had been a little bit dickish. And then you tore strips off them for really not looking like James Bond would not wear that kind of shirt. And Because there's also one thing you know about it. It's men's millinery and coat work and that kind of thing. I thought that was very funny because I thought, yes, that's one thing George would know about. And he'd do it in that special way too. I actually forgot about that confrontation, but that was a fun one. Because, yeah, if there's anything I can call you out on, it's close. He was someone who was huge. And instead of just going, oh, look, mate, cut it out, you just took a go at the clothing and it worked. Oh, sorry. America's on fire. I, I apologize if you can hear that in the background. But uh, Although you, you are living in Bethlehem, which could mean that it'll be okay or it could be the worst spot ever. Yeah, I keep checking for blood on the door pretty much every morning. So far, so good. And how about Philip Glass working at your old factory over there, where not far from you are? Oh, that's right. He worked at the steel mill as a youngster, as a youth. That's right. He did knobs or nuts or something like that. What they've done with the old steel mill is kind of retrofitted into this amazing art and performance space. And they light it at night. It's wonderful. And I actually did listen to your last show, In the Bath, which I suggest, listeners, give it a go in the bath. Have a cup of tea on a Sunday afternoon. Have a good listen to the show. And you were talking about painting your lounge room. After 20 years, I finally painted the, the living room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can listen in and you can find out George paints his lounge room. George changes his car battery. And who could forget that time George went to the supermarket? Okay, look, this might not sound like world-beating stuff, but the way you describe these things in the details, these are fun things. It was not the best-built kind of condo. The question is, is I wonder why Americans don't have baths. Why don't we take baths like you guys do? Being a 90-year-old house, can you imagine the size of the bath I have, George? Oh, is it a clawfoot? It's built in, but it was installed in 1933. Oh, nice. So it would have been a considerably modern... It housed a family for like about a decade at some point, right? Wasn't there? Yeah, and of course, we don't have any hurricane cellars. If, if there's any sort of big blow on, you hop in the bath with everybody. Okay. Yeah, that's what we do here in Australia. It's always a good place. Whenever there's a blow on, I try to be in the bath. That's <laughs> that's more of a personal. <laughs> it's in the Philadelphia Funk Authority. Is that a 12-piece? How big's that band these days? It's nine. And you do a lot of weddings. One thing we know about weddings is that people do get really drunk and demanding. How do you handle them? During a performance, I've realized that the best thing to do with someone who is being inebriated and annoying is to get the crowd to turn on them. So what you do is you point out their behavior to people and say, this person's behavior is preventing the party from continuing. They start behaving very quickly. We also have a thing in the band that you touch your ear. So we sort of keep an eye on each other, especially the women in the group. There's this thing. Someone comes up to you and asks you, what guitar is that? What model guitar is that? What they're actually saying is, let me tell you about my guitar. If someone comes up and says, what kind of drums are those? I just say, go ahead, tell me about your drums. Just let's just get it over with. Tell me about your drums. So we have this thing that you touch your ear and then you come over to that person with a piece of paper and you'll just be like, I'm sorry, I just got a, I got a question. And you pull them aside and you go, Baba, looking at the paper, pretend we're talking about something important. And then you walk away. You learn what that look is like from the person who's being a little bit too interested in someone or wants to chat during our very limited 10 minute break over four hours where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to talk about drums during my break. I'm sorry. And when I was listening to your last podcast in the bath, was that the Philadelphia Funk Authority's version of Pick Up the Pieces you were playing behind you at one stage? It was indeed, yeah. 
years. How do you feel about the strong funk that came out of Scotland with the average white band? That's the anomalous, incredible nature of the average white band is that when you tell people that, they don't believe you. I, I sometimes introduce that song. Here's a tune by our favorite Scottish funk band. And people go, what? And not just that, you have uh, Cut the Cake as well, which is just a phenomenally funky song. Good old Scots. It's something about oppression or something that manages to do it. If there has been a crime against disco, don't call the police. Particularly don't call the police at this time. Well, yeah. Give Georgia in. <laughs> I had to get onto you straight away as soon as I heard the disco version of the theme for Moonraker at the end yes. of the James Bond Moonraker soundtrack album. I was listening to it. I went, oh, yes. I was, I was listening to the vocals as you normally do first. And I went, hang on. I thought, Ooh, interesting rhythm guitar. And I went, oh, those drums are, oh, and I thought, George, I've got to get on to George about this. I couldn't even find out who the session drummer was. I just know that that was the only James Bond soundtrack album recorded in Paris. Shirley Bassey only had two weeks warning of this song. That's why she never considers it hers and never really sings it. The commitment in it is not up to her standard of the other ones as well. This was your first movie you ever saw. Mine was Live or Let Die. Dad took me to see Moonraker. I think we had watched James Bond movies on Sunday. They, had, they used to show them on TV. My dad was much more of a Connery fan because he saw Goldfinger in the theater. He's, he watched it twice in a row. He literally watched it twice in one sitting because he loved it so much. So that was imprinted upon me, but I didn't, I wasn't, I knew there was a Sean Connery, but I wasn't familiar. And then Roger Moore was just it for me as a kid, you know, yeah. Moonraker with the dialogue in it. Where is the rocket scientist? My name is Bond, James Bond. I'm looking for Dr. Goodhead. You just found her. A woman. At the same time, expressing puzzlement, <laughs> his world's been turned upside down for a moment. A woman. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I was listening to Who Are These Podcasts, which is a podcast that reviews other podcasts, and they reviewed a white supremacist comedy podcast. They slammed them for being white supremacists and even worse comics. Conservative comedy, man. Watching some conservatives attempt to create or form a joke or what they think is a joke where they confuse nastiness with irony or they confuse picking on someone or punching down with being clever oh it's painful parody and mockery they get those two mixed up very well said yes exactly parody versus mockery where they mock people thinking that they have this sort of attitude of not caring and being kind of above the fray which it actually just shows how cruel they are it's absolutely painful in fact, on the other side of the questions for you, George, are the questions for Olivia Newton-John. Do you want me to ask you one of the questions I asked her? Please, yeah. On what year did you get the order of the Dame of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, Olivia? I think it was um, 78. So close. 79 she got that. Well, 79. Oh, well shit. done. You look so much like a grown-up Sandy in a business suit. That's one of the lines I said to her. Mm, I get that a lot, yeah. Because you would also know George because of his albums 21812, Trevor Shea, Vitriol, Minutia, and his songs When I Was Your Age. When I was your age, we had this stuff called film. You would stick in a camera before you took a shot. 
And then you have to wait like a week until you can tell what pictures you got. You've seen and heard of him a couple of times on the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. And also, as the caveman snake oil salesman, is it in Og the Skeptical Caveman? Og the Skeptical Caveman, yeah. You're really good in that app, George. Oh, thank you. That was fun. That looked like a whole day in a forest. This romantic remedy is clinically proven to galvanize your glibness. It's lunar activated. Lunar activated. The moon's rays are a powerful aphrodisiac. We hang this elixir from the highest tree under the full moon. The moon charges it with liquid crystal love memory. Liquid crystal love memory. They were in a park. They had built this entire set, a whole little village. And that entire day, I had a wig and no glasses on. So no one knew who I was all day. Not until I started talking would people realize that it was me. To just be really completely anonymous uh, amongst friends and people that know you was really interesting. Like being the invisible man or something. Kind of. It also happened at one of the Psycons. There was a costume party. For that, the SGU and I went as Gilligan's Island. So I went as the professor. So I shaved my beard and I had a wig and nobody knew who I was. Who is that guy with the SGU? Now, keep in mind, I had been on stage for three days now, like introducing everybody. And I thought, I got to go rob a bank or something because no one knows who I am. It was, it was so uh-huh. curious. The way your brain works, it pulls me out of the category of who George could be because George is obviously not the guy without the, you know, with the beard and without the hair. It was awesome. I've made a specialty of speaking to you after you've worked for 48 hours straight and then sit down and ask you questions. That's always a great experience. Yes, that's right. There is a certain focus to those weekends, and then the relationships that you make are really quite wonderful. I've spoken to Jay once or twice in that situation as well, and he's getting good at the rapid-fire questions about Spandau Ballet. Oh, good. Good for him. We're very proud of him. He's come a long way. He has come a long way. I'd like to recommend to people 13 songs with Georgia Rabb. In Australia here, I think it's on in a morning. Is it available for replay, that show? Yeah, everything's on my YouTube channel. So you can go to the George Rabb YouTube channel and all the episodes of 13 songs are there for re-watching at your convenience in the bath or whatever. This Thursday, I'm going to be doing connections. Yeah, so it's every song is going to segue into the next with some kind of significant connection betwixt all the songs. Which is also the thing about your albums. The last note of the previous album is usually the first note of the first song on the next album. Is that correct? Very good. Yeah, very good. Not everyone realizes that. Small Comfort, one of your most impactful songs. I don't think you've gone anywhere And I guess that's just as well Cause I want to remember The last look in your eyes do you ever think you'd like to write that for a full orchestra or something? Make it a bit more long and winding roadish? Hmm. Or do you think the lyrics best come out in the just simple acoustic guitar arrangement? What's curious is in the Broad Street score version of that, which is for, for four strings, it really brings out the emotion of it even more. You can actually see the QED performance if you go on YouTube and check out string quartet version of Small Comfort. They say we're not supposed to comprehend I want to know more Being there with you at the end Was a pain I'd hoped for I'd love to do a full orchestra, yeah, at some point, sure. With this time we're living through, which don't you love it when people say that? And I love all these ads that are on. There's the sad music that comes on the corporate ads. It's astounding how fast those commercials came out. It was astounding. It was a question of days, if not even hours. In this time of need, we here at Toilet Industries want to know that we are with you. It's astounding. 
These are unprecedented times. We know things are hard right now. You're stuck inside with nothing to do. Just wanting to do something. Anything. But now, more than ever. More than ever. It's time to think about how your choices affect others. So please. Please. Don't start a podcast. Just don't do it. You might feel like it's a productive use of your time right now. And your mate Dave's got some interesting opinion. He doesn't. He really doesn't. He's a fuckwit. The greatest gift you can give your fellow human beings right now is to shut the fuck up. Don't start a podcast. Yeah. How does it feel doing the 13 songs as a live performance? I've been trying to do a nightclub DJ thing at home, just using props and an inflatable Gumby. Which I've enjoyed very much, yeah. Having a costume change every song is something that would be a bit difficult for you because you like to dress well. You probably couldn't knock something over in 90 seconds, I don't think. <laughs> but when you're DJing, you can disappear for 20 seconds and come back wearing a plethora of beach ball. I did the classic burlesque beach balls thing. Well, I think you're known for your balls, no question. What is it like performing to the dead eye of the camera? I always enjoy that. It's a very different thing. It's curious that you hope people are there. And what's lovely about doing it live on YouTube is that there is a comments section. So even though I'm not seeing the comments live, if I go back and rewatch, you might be able to see people appreciating and doing their little clap emojis or whatever. But in a way, it allows a focus, which live performances sometimes don't. Because very often when you're playing somewhere, people are chatting, people are at the bar, people are making all kinds of noise, people are playing trombone in the background. This provides focus because I'm in a quiet room and it's like, okay, I'm going to be totally focused on what I'm doing. That's very lovely. I feel spoiled sometimes at that. George, you've probably got a real life of atheist freedom to get back to. Are you off to the gym? No, it's not open. I'm getting slowly larger and larger. Trying to fight it as best as I can. When the gym does open, will you rush there or will you take a sceptical eye? Hmm. I'm not sure. I feel a little funny about it still because, of course, in the gym you're breathing heavy, you're sweating, you're... I feel a little funny about it. We'll see. Yes. The best part of my day is eating. It's the third breakfast. Yay. Simple advice here before we get to the, the Shirley Bassey section of the show. With this insane time we're living in, and particularly your country being a little bit more insane than everyone else, or maybe just ahead of the curve. Yeah, as often. What's yeah. the best way to get through this? Uh, Applying logic to something, how can you get any logic out of anything? I think you just have to keep checking yourself. You have to keep checking your own biases. You have to keep checking. It's hard to think differently about things sometimes. And I think there's such a sea change that is potentially happening. You have to check your biases and your presumptions, and that's the thing to do. Constantly be asking yourself, why do I think this is the right thing? Why do I believe this? Is it the right thing? Try not to react too quickly either. Yeah, take a second. It's hard, though. It's it's really, really hard. It must have been quite traumatic with Moonraker as your first James Bond film. It's hard. I know. It's really hard. You've had to go through life with the one, although interestingly enough, George, if you check on Rotten Tomatoes, the bottom five James Bond films, Moonraker ain't there. Mm -hmm. They've got stuff like Die Another Day. There was the one where he was in the prisoner of war camp in North Korea and had a beer gut when he came back. (laughs) I always think that must have been a bit of a burden to wear. And I'm surprised you will talk about James Bond openly and in mixed company when Moonraker is mentioned. Right. Have you gone back and listened to the noise those lasers make in Moonraker? I was very excited about lasers in spacesuits, and I was also 9, 10. Pew, 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 pew. They're the pew, pew lasers. Super pew, super pew. And I remember my dad telling me, like, none of that is real. 
there is no space station. Like none of that is real. I'm thinking, okay, good to know. I wonder what my dad really was feeling while watching that. As someone who sat through Goldfinger twice, what was his cringe factor happening whilst watching Moonraker? Thinking, really, this is where we are now? The James Bond thing, he walks into a room and there's eight beautiful girls all around the room looking at him and smiling. You know someone wants to kill him. The same thing happens in Live and Let Die. It happened in that. It happened in Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs. Okay, not a James Bond mm-hmm. film, but it's canon. I will accept that. I see a scene like that and I just think, boy, it just reflects life, doesn't it? It's like a mirror into my own life. Just going, hey, I'm, yeah, oh, (laughs) no, it's not at all like I'm thinking. Not at all like you're thinking I'm about to die. I'm about to be killed by attractive people. What do you put down the bad drumming on the disco version of the Moonraker theme to, George? I can picture the flop sweat on that session player who was probably used to playing big band slash orchestral stuff and someone saying, especially if it's a French session, somebody's saying, Claude, yeah, Claude plays drums. Just do the disco thing. Just do the disco thing. You know, just uh, do, uh, do a little hi-hat. Uh, sip, sip, sip. It'll be fine. It'll be great. And he just starts doing it. It's like, no. disco is that you need to have that kick drum the bass drum be consistent throughout you need that uh, 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 uh. that is the that is the the bed upon which the entire track is usually written the best example of that is the rhythm in staying alive and the Bee Gees literally would spend a week or two just on the kick drum sound getting that to be the perfect bedrock for that track So obviously some session guy in a, in a Parisian orchestral James Bond recording is not going to put that much diligence into it. There is a, a casual hubris of certain kinds of musicians when it comes to other types of styles that they're not familiar with, thinking it's more simplistic. It's like listening to a, a non-reggae player play reggae. A very accomplished drummer who could be an amazing jazz player, an amazing fusion player, trying to play reggae is just painful sometimes. Or trying to see a reggae player play jazz or something, it can be painful. You've got it in one because I thought they would not have had a small budget. They could have afforded to get whatever they want. But obviously, disco could have A, been a dirty word in 1979 or it could be in a blind spot. The thing is, nowadays, the people that are learning music have such a breadth. The young people that are playing now can jump stylistically from one to the next because that's part of the schooling. But to that drummer, who was probably in his 30s, let's say, at the time, the school he went to, no one was teaching the difference between disco and punk or disco and ska. So to the guy, it's just, just play offbeats on the hi-hat, and that's what a disco beat is, you know. George, could you give us just a small part of the Moonraker theme on the acoustic guitar? I will grab my guitar. It's not a live and let die difficult chord manipulation, is it? (laughs) 
bad, actually. I was surprised that the, there's a, some interesting, there's a little bit of an interesting chord thing happening. And I'm gonna, it's very early for me, so I might have to do it the octave down, and I apologize. Let's see. Where are you? Why do you hide? Where is that moonlight trail? that leads to your side just like the moon Rika goes in search of his dream of gold I search for love for someone to have and hold I've seen your smile in a thousand dreams felt your touch and it always seems you love me you love me George Harab will return in the Geologic Podcast <laughs> Mr. Harab. Did I? A hell of a job for an ornithologist at that time, to be working around, be up there looking at some birds, maybe moving some rare eggs around, and fucking <laughs> Roger Moore shoots you. I never thought of that, that that guy was not involved with, what was the villain's name? Zardok. Poor guy's building a treehouse for his kid, probably, and just, yeah, gets shot. <laughs> Is there anything you want to plug before you go? Tune into 13 Songs. That happens every other week on a Thursday at 7 o'clock here on the Eastern Time. Go to my YouTube channel and check out the Geologic Podcast occasionally if you're interested in that kind of thing as well. And But just take care of yourselves. That's the most important thing. I think, Maynard, for you, I think I'm going to do a James Bond, all James Bond themes, 13 songs. I think I have to. George Arab, thank you very much. <laughs> George Arab, a man. Question mark. On Maynard.com.au. AU. Bryson and Hume. Everything digital.